So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much um, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the congregation of the saints, that there's present, your, your uh, power is presence, Lord. Uh, even in our, in our praise and worship this morning, I could really feel your presence here, that there's a unity, there's a, a cohesion of spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the prayer that we prayed for uh, Wesley's mother-in-law, Teresa, and Steve on the mainland, that there's power present to heal her, who she's um, uh, on her way or was going to the hospital with COVID. And I thank you, Lord, that we come in agreement. And just like we prayed for that rain, it was looking sketchy. But, Lord, we're praying the sun will come out in this situation. And anybody else, we pray for Mika. Lord, absolute healing. I pray for your blessing, Lord. The breath of the Holy Spirit to breathe life upon this word. Lord, you're, you're, uh, this is your congregation. This is your body. And I pray right now for strength and hope and vision. Prophetic vision to come into our hearts. That we lift our heads right now. And we look to you fully, Lord. We turn our gaze towards you. And we don't allow the situations in this life to get us down. But we look to you this morning. And strengthen your congregation this morning. Strengthen us, Lord, for the battle that's ahead. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the word I want to talk about is, um, you know, it's sort of an echo of last week's word about being watchful. You know, about being watchful. And that was in Luke, 25, uh, Luke, Luke 12, uh, 35 through 40. And um, let me just go over that real quick uh, so, so we have a context for this. It's, it's, I'm not going to really uh, stay in that scripture, but I just wanted to go over it again real quickly. This first part is very important. It says in uh, Luke... Uh, chapter 12, verse 35, it says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you, yourselves, like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes, he knocks, that you may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find them watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down and eat and will come and serve them. And if, she'd come, uh, if he should come... At the second watch, which would be 9 to 12, or come at the third watch and find them, so blessed are they, the second watch would be 12 to 3. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, they would have watched and not allowed their house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. You know, there is a portion, I mean, there is a generation that is appointed to be alive when the Lord returns to this earth. And it's amazing how much scriptures are talking about the Lord's return. Uh, how the, the apostles talk about it. How Jesus talked about it. He's talking about being ready for the Lord's return. And here we are, close to 2,000 years from the resurrection of Christ and the ascension in, into heaven. And the disciples asked, Are you at this time, Lord, going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. And I looked at that, looked at that up, and it means the times means an, uh, an elapsed period of time. And then the seasons are like things going on. It's not for the disciples. It wasn't their time, really, to be looking forward to Christ coming back and establishing kingdom. 
the, the times are chronos, which is a period of elapsed time, and then the seasons where certain things are going to take place in order to say this is a special time. Do you know we're living in the times and the seasons right now? That we're looking at the Word of God and we're seeing the correlation where, uh, you know, I uh, went over this many, many times and you already know the drill. But there is a generation that will see the physical return of Christ to this earth. But also, you read these scriptures about the Lord coming back and you think, why was it so important to be ready, to be watchful? Because no man knows the day or the hour that the Lord could come for you to take your soul to heaven. No man knows that hour. There's been many, I mean, uh, graveyards are full of people. Tombstones are listing of the length of life, whether brief or whether long. And people have a certain number of days that they're appointed to live here on this earth. And nobody knows that day where we could pass into eternity. So for those people, the Lord came back for them already. The Lord met them. And they were face to face with the Lord. They went from this physical existence into this more tangible, real existence into eternity. And there was a set day. There was a chronos that there was an encounter. And the Lord is basically saying here, live as if that could be today. Live as if you don't know that this could be your last day. Not only that, but as I was preach, uh, preaching or, or reading from the scriptures earlier, the things that we're investing now are being invested for eternity. Live as if you are going to spend eternity in a different place because guess what? We're going to. And what we do now has having a bearing on what's going to take place there. So that's why he's saying be aware of the brevity of life. Be aware of Put, laying up your treasures, not here on this earth, but lay it up in heaven so that when we go there, we're going to have a glorious entry into this. Salvation is free. Um, uh, our, our salvation is a gift. It's, we're never going to earn that. You ever read that story about the person? He says, these, all these people are milling around in the marketplace and the owner of the land says, you know what? Um, anybody wants to work today? Uh, come and I'll, and I'll pay you a denarius for a day's wage or whatever. You come and work in my field and I'll pay you this amount of money. And then he came back at noon and then he came back later in the afternoon. He came late, 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 like an hour left of work. He says, anybody here still want to work? They go, yeah, I want to work. And they go out there and then it's time for pay. And he goes, okay, everybody, line up. I'm going to give your pay. And the first guys who bared the heat and the brunt of the day and did the whole hours of labor get the same payment as the guy who came in in the last hour. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what's up with this? And he goes, didn't I tell you that this is how much I was going to pay you? And they go, yeah, but that's not fair. We were working in the noontime. We were working when it was hot. We were working through here. And you're paying them the same wage. He goes, it's my money. I'm giving it exactly i'm giving you exactly what i told you are you upset because i'm generous with my money and you think to yourself well that's kind of doesn't make sense in this world but that i would say is an illustration of salvation by grace we don't earn it we're just a participant we're called into it and we go and we participate whether we were called into it when we were a, a, a youth or whether we were called to it on a deathbed conversion we all get paid the same Amen. That's good news right there. I mean, it doesn't sound fair in the natural. Is that, that's not fair. I should get a little more. But that's not saying that the service that we offer to the Lord is not rewarded. You have to, you have to rightly diver, divide the word of God. What we do for the Lord will be rewarded. He says that even if you give a cup of cold water in the name of a prophet, you give that to somebody, you will receive a prophet's reward for that. 
It, nothing misses. So when we do service to the Lord, we should keep it in our heart that I serve the Lord. I am doing this for you, my master. And it says you will receive a reward for that. So there's two different things going on. Salvation is a gift, but what we do in service of the Lord will be rewarded. And it's big time rewarded. Amen? Does that make sense? That's, a, that's something that we all need to know so that we don't get weary in doing well, in doing good. Or it's like, man, I didn't receive the recognition for that. I should have been this or whatever. Know that when we serve, we serve for the audience of one. Borrowing a line from Wayne Cadero. We serve for the audience of one. That the Lord is watching what I'm doing. I'm doing this for the Lord. We do the best job. We're the best in, in employed person. We, do, we try to work the hardest. We try to put out our best effort because we represent his kingdom. Amen? You know, in doing these things, it can get weary. And it says, don't, don't grow weary in doing well because you will reap a harvest if we faint not is what the Word of God says. So we're plowing the field and like, dude, man, I'm not seeing a return for this investment. And it says, don't grow weary. You will receive a, a, a reward for what you are doing for the Lord if we faint not. You ever heard that story about the person who was a gold miner? I, I've, looked, I've looked for the details on it because I've heard this as an illustration several times. But this guy was, had a gold mine somewhere. I don't know if it was Nevada or Arizona, somewhere where they mine gold. And he was working on this mine and he had his sights. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to strike it rich in this mine. And he was going and he's digging tunnels in this direction, in this direction. And through the geology of the particular mountain he was working on, he said, there's got to be gold here. They got the right kind of quartz and, and it's just the right kind of rock. There's got to be a vein of gold here. And he kept mining and digging and digging and digging and finally just spent all his money. He didn't have no more money to spend. And he goes, I give up. And he sold the thing. He sold it to somebody, and, and within a short distance, a few yards, he dug a little bit more and hit one of the biggest veins of gold ever in America, hit it, and struck it rich. That if he would have persevered just a little more, uh, just a little more, he would have been that man. That's, that's like tragedy to me, to hear a story like that. It just blows my mind that that could be the place. The word is perseverance. The word is perseverance. To be able to persevere. Persevere means to hang tough regardless of the circumstance. Because our eyes are fixed upon the promises of God. And he's not a man that he should lie. If he says it, he means to do it. And even if we don't see it right away, we say, Lord, you said it. And I got no other game to play here. I am hooked up to you and I'm invested in you. It says where your heart is or where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You know, I've used this illustration before that, you know, at one time I had investments and you wake up in the morning, you go to the computer and you're looking, wow, did my stuff go up? Did it go up? And you're so concerned and you're evolved in this because you're invested in that. But when you're invested in the kingdom, it says that these things are reserved, our inheritance is reserved for us in heaven where thieves cannot get to it, that moths cannot uh, corrupt it or eat it up, or rust cannot corrupt it. It's reserved for us in heaven. This eternal inheritance for eternity that we persevere. And it says, Lord, and it says that it not only pays when we get there, but there's dividends that are paid to us now when we're faithful to the things of God. He promises us this. That it pays benefits, not only in heaven, but right here, right now. Um, 
You ever heard that saying that says, a virtue is its own reward? You remember, like if you find, some, you find somebody's wallet on the side of the road and it's got a stack of cash in there, you know, and you go, well, man, I could just maybe mail this thing back to the guy and take the cash, or you actually give the whole thing back with the cash involved. And then they go, wow, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to give you a reward because you did that. In actuality, the fact that you had the integrity to give that thing back is its own reward. Because God was watching. God was watching what you were doing at that point. Amen? Integrity is what you do when nobody else is watching but God. Integrity is what we do when nobody else is watching but the Lord. And we know the Lord sees everything. Perseverance. The word, the fruit of patiently waiting for the promises of God to be manifest. Luke 8.15 says, this is the parable of the soils. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. It takes patience. You don't plant an apple tree and then go out there the next day and say, where's my apples? You know, it takes time for a seed to turn into an apple. It takes time. It takes that investment, it takes the water, and it takes the care, get the bugs off of there, keep that thing, you know, free of weeds, and fertilize it, or do what you need to do, and eventually an apple seed will produce an apple tree, which will produce more apple seeds. God's word is like seed. If we have the patience, we have the patience, and the patience is inherent in the seed. It's part of the, pro, the pro, uh, process. It's part of the package that when we uh, give into the Lord, you know, we, we come here and there's times where, you know, we're, we're weary. We're weary. And it's like tiring, man. I haven't seen a return for this. But I'm here today to say, lift up your heads. Lift up your eyes. Lift up our gaze. Let's not look at the things of this world. Even though a lot of us are being buffeted right now of realities of life, I realize that we are, all are. We're all looking at things and the future looks very uncertain. And it looks like the world is falling apart, but in reality it's falling into place. God's purposes are being worked out. And when you begin to see these things, he says, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draught nigh. And he's given to us that inner strength, that inner strength within our hearts that we could stand firm. You know that... That poem about the footprints in the sand, I can relate to that so much. Because in the hard times of life, when, it's, when you feel like you're bearing the burden of this, you know, one of the things with uh, perseverance is to bear up, to bear up under the pressure, to, to be able to, okay, I got, this, I got this thing on my back and I'm, I'm carrying it through. Then in reality, in that place is where the Lord is carrying you. Because in our flesh, we would have gave up. We would have chucked it. We would have threw it away. It says, this is not working for me. I see it works for other people, but it's not working for me. But when we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't take another step. And he bears us up at that moment. He per helps us to persevere, to get through one more day. And then when we look back on that journey, we can really say with true assurity, I would have given up. I would have given up. It felt like I was on my own. I felt like I was the only one carrying this. But in reality, I would have given up. But the Holy Spirit carried us through. God's power empowered us to get through another day. You know, he says in his word, he says, I'll never give you more than you can bear. 
But God has a higher expectation than we do of ourselves. Let me tell you that much. Yeah? Can I get an amen that we know that? We all know that one. Man, it's like, this is as far as this is going. This is as much as I can take. And then you got to take a little more. And you got to take a little more. And you're like, that's it. That's as far as this can go. I can't take no more. And then you take a little bit more. Because he's strengthening us. What he's building, he's building for eternity. He's building perseverance. He's building strength within us. Because he's going to entrust us with great things for eternity. He's not building wimps. And the fact that you're still here proves you're not a wimp. Right? Seriously. You know, I know situations, man. And it's just like, are they going to fall away? Is that it? And we come back. Because of the perseverance, the, the strength that God has placed on our hearts. It says, just like Peter, are you going to go away too, Peter? It says, you're the only ones that got the, the words of eternal life. Where am I going to go? Am I going to become a Muslim? Am I going to become a, a Buddhist? Jesus, you're the only one that I know that died and resurrected and said, this is the way to eternal life. Walk in it. You're the only one who has that kind of plan. That's the guy I want to be following, who's been to death and back, and says, follow me, because this leads to eternal life. Nobody else can make a claim like that. Only Jesus Christ can. Amen? Hebrews, go to, uh, Hebrews, talking about persevering, talking about hanging in when it's rough, when it's uncertain. But as we walk on, it's just like this thing about the weather, you know. I mean, the most drastic one had to have been Kelly's wedding. Yeah, Jeff? Kelly's wedding. We're driving down to, uh, they were in, in Waikapu at the clubhouse up there, the uh, Marilyn Monroe house. And we're driving down. Wesley and Rachel were there, and Gretchen and I were all driving down in a car. And we're, we're driving down, and we're hearing that, that uh, disgusting sound of the weather alarm, the thing, eh. This is a weather alert. There's flash flood warnings all over the island. This and if you don't need to be out, don't go anywhere. Stay at home. And I'm like, we're doing a wedding outside today. And we're driving down and we get we get down to close to Waikapu. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I figured this place would be slamming already. And it's threatening because there's a wall of cloud all of 360 degrees around. And Kelly called up and she says, Pastor Jay, it's, it's, it's really threatening, and, and I don't know, we've got to make a decision here soon. Should we move the whole uh, thing inside, which would be a real hassle. They had all the chairs in the, you know, the um, arch in the, in the lawn area on the green over there. And I said, what do you want? She goes, I want to have it outside. And I said, well, that's what we're going to agree with. And we all prayed, and the word went out there, and we prayed. And I know that there's witnesses in this room who saw it. There was a wall of cloud, like the eye of a hurricane, all the way around us like this. And it was sunny, in, not sunny, but it was clear, no rain in the middle of that. And as soon as the vows were done, we all walked back into the reception area, and the rains came in and started to rain, just like that. <laughs> That's the power of prayer, the power of God's promises, the power of his faithfulness that those of us who stand upon the word of God can, uh, can say, Lord, you're going to do this because your word is at stake here. Your name is at stake here. And so thank you, Lord, for that. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. You know, 
Uh, let me read from verse 19. I've read this so many times, you know, but it's, it's, it's going to go somewhere. Um, it says on my heading on verse 19, it says, hold fast your confession. Hold fast. Lock on to your confession of faith. Lock on to your beliefs. Don't, don't be deterred by circumstances. It says this, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's just reiterating the covenant that we do have with the Lord. The covenant that we have is a covenant in blood. We've been baptized, we've been washed, and the book of Hebrews says it's not the washing of the filth of the flesh, but it's an answer of a good conscience before God. When we come before God, it says, I can stand here because of what Jesus did. And I stand right with you. So it brings confidence right there. It says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. It's not us, but we can lay our claim on God because God is faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not double-minded. He has an eternal plan, and he's going to see it come to pass if we faint not. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner is of some... Uh, but exhort, you know, Maui just shared that there's only one church meeting on Molokai in person, right? One church. One church that, you know, when they said, don't meet as the church, that word. And, you know, we did that at first, and it was irritating, but we didn't know what is the ramifications. What is this thing? What do we do? We're trying to be, and, and then it came to it that we're like, this is an agenda to stop the church from meeting is part of this. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes that doesn't meet the eye. And then there was lawsuits that came out. How come all these, well, you go down to the airport, choke people over here, uh, uh, luau's, choke people, this, but you better not have church. Put on a mask. I don't want you guys singing in church. What the heck is going on here? I think that this scripture was written for this very day. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some, but exhorting one another. I'm exhorting you right now. I'm lifting you up. I'm lifting up our faith. Uh, exhorting one another. And so much more as we see the day approaching. What day are we talking about? The day that the Lord is going to blast the trumpet and boom, we'll be caught up into the, the heavens for eternity. That we keep our focus on eternal things and don't get discouraged with this this temporal things that are happening right now. And it says in, we're going to run through some stuff, some uh, um, serious business, but it gets to a good place. For it says, for if we sin willfully, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice of sin. So that's just taking um, grace very lightly. Uh, just live any kind. I made a confession to Christ years ago. Yeah, I'm saved. It's a relationship. It's intimacy. If you are intimate with the Lord and there's something that's amiss in your life and you haven't hardened your conscience or seared your conscience, there's going to be a pricking, just like what happened to Paul. Paul, isn't it hard for you to kick against the, the, the pricks or against the, the, um, the ox goad? Isn't it hard for you to do that? 
when you come before me? There's something that you need to do. There's something you need. If there's intimacy with the Lord, those kind of things come to the surface. And you're like, yeah, Lord, I know I got to go do this. Or I got to go say sorry to this guy. Or I got to do something, right? And that's what, that's what, so we, we don't sin willfully after the knowledge of the no longer remains a sacrifice for a sin, but certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Speaking about the law, of how much worse punishment do you suppose that he uh, will be thought worthy who trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant which he was sanctified a common thing? That's how reverent we should be about the things of God. You remember in the story of, of the Passover? That they put blood on the, on the lintel and on the doorposts, but they didn't put it on the threshold because they not to be trampling on the blood. Right? They put it on the top and on the sides, but they didn't put it on the bottom. Don't treat the blood of Jesus as a common thing and insult the spirit of grace. Verse 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But recall the former days in which you were illuminated when you got born again. You endured a great struggle with sufferings. There was decisions that needed to be made. There's things that we can no longer do. There's people that we don't longer hang out with. You remember those days? I remember going to my friends. We used to, you know, we were lifting weights together. And I was going to a Bible study right up the road from over there. And I went to the house and I said, you know what, guys? I'm not going to be smoking weed anymore. And we're not going to be partying. I'm not going to be drinking beer anymore. And they looked at me like, what? I said, man, you guys ought to come to this Bible study I'm going to. The Lord is moving. The Lord is, is alive. And they look at me and they laughed. They're like, are you, are you serious? And I, yeah, I'm serious. And I had to, I had to close that door. There are certain relationships that have an expiration date on them. And if you don't have an expiration, they will pull you down. They will pull you back. It's the crab in the bucket thing. It's like, you trying to get out of here? Oh, no, you don't. Boom, and they'll pull you back in, right? There's people that are not going to be happy with the fact that we made the choice for eternal life. Verse 33 Partially while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. You know we're being signaled out right now, singled out as a people right now as the church. Can you feel that? You know, I got this call the other day, and I'm still puzzled over it. I was telling Gretchen, I was working in the yard, and all of a sudden I get this car, Lehui Kauai. Who do I know in Lehui Kauai? And this guy calls up, hello, are you, is this church of the firstborn? I go, yeah. He goes, this is Pastor Jay. I said, this is Pastor Jay. He goes, I just want to know, what is your thing about, you know, how do you feel about vaccinations and giving uh, cards to people or giving a religious exemption? I said, well, this is my take on it. I said, I've done research on this and I don't believe that these uh, vaccinations are in people's best interests and they're causing more harm than any good. And I said, and it's, it's up to people. It's a, it's a personal decision. I don't feel I should be forced to take a vaccination. But I'm, you know, if somebody feels that they wanted to do that, that's up to them. You know, that's the way I look at it. But personally, and I said, if there's people who, don't, who want a religious exemption, we will give them a, a thing. And he goes, oh, really? Oh, tell me more about this. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, who the heck is this guy I'm talking to? I said, wait a minute. I mean, who are you? 
He says, well, I'm just, I'm just somebody who, who's, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, what's going on out there. And I said, um, because I had somebody else call and wanted a card and we did give it or give him an exemption letter because he sounded sincere. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, who is this? I said, you know what, I'm not going to answer any more questions. I don't know if you're some Democrat on some kind of mission or whatever. I, I'm not answering. And I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> seriously, man. Are they, how did he get my cell number from Kauai? I'm tripping out with this. You know, I'm going to call him back. And I got, I'm going to write down a list of questions I'm going to ask this guy. What are you, some kind of communist infiltrator of the Stasi or what? You know, I mean, this is, this is the society we're living in right now. That we're being pigeonholed. This is, the, this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. I beg to differ. Our feed probably just got cut right there, but that's all right. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Partly while you were made, verse 30, their spectacle, both reproaches and tribulation, partly while we became companions of those who were so treated, for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted in the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. This is not for nothing that we're going through this stuff. It says faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. How do we know we have faith? Unless we go through something and through the grace of God retain our witness, even though it was tough, even though it looked bleak, even though it looked, that looks bad. But I can't deny the Lord because I've seen too much. I know He loves me. I know He got a plan for me. He's got an eternal plan. And as this earth is fading away, His eternal plans are becoming more and more glorious. Do you see that? Do you see as the world has lost its luster? Where you see now, you can't go to a concert. You can, you can hardly do anything. Because they pigeonholed us down to whatever. And that might even be a good thing. That this world has lost its luster. It's just like, Hollywood's a joke. You look at these people, it's like, whatever, man. How much did they pay you to say that kind of stuff? But thank the Lord that we have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven. Good inheritance. Righteousness and truth and justice and mercy. All the attributes that God is. That that's with a kingdom we're going to be living in. No longer corruption. No longer payoffs. No more longer bribes and all this mess that we see. And in verse 37 of chapter 10. For yet a little while and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. That's who we are in Christ. We have our eyes fixed upon Him. Regardless of what happens here, we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord because He told us it was going to look like this, and we got to follow through with this because the reward is great. The inheritance is great. The future is bright. In closing, I want to read this in James chapter 5. James chapter 5. This is a separation of peoples. 
It says in chapter 5, verse 1, Now, or come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you. They will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. And you hear these stories about these ridiculous amounts of money that are being made by certain people for sellout businesses, dirty deeds, you know, not done dirt cheap for a lot of money, right? And it says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have re reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fatted your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. I would not want to be amongst that number right there. God help us. But this is the good news. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job, and it see the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and very merciful. The Lord has plans of good for his church. The Lord has plans of persevering, helping us to persevere through these times of trial. That if we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord, we put stock in his word and say, Lord, your word said, you even told us it was going to look like this right now. You've given me your Holy Spirit. You've given me your word. You've given me the body of Christ that we cling tightly to those things that are eternal and we don't sell out for the temporal. Amen. Let's pray.